drop. Hey there, everybody. My name is Christian Wynn, the director of StoryForge. And you have found Story 4 Presents Voices of Tree 4 Music Fest, which is a weekly podcast that dives into the stories behind Boise's Festival of Discovery. Tree 4 Music Fest brings in hundreds of artists from all over the globe every March, though this year we have been postponed to September 23rd through 27th. But we're here to tell you about all things Tree 4 on this podcast. So today we're going to talk with Larry Rosen co-host and myself are going to talk with Hillfolk Noir, a great band based out of Boise, Idaho. We actually have two of their members, out of the three, Allie and Travis Ward. Their third member, Mike Waite, is sheltering in place and uh, doing well, I understand. But yeah, we just get into their music, their life as a married couple playing in a band together and raising kids in this time of, uh, you know, isolation and how that's going and, and Allie's a school teacher as well and so she's dealing with how you know doing the long distance teaching so we talk a little bit about that we talk about some basketball we talk about community we talk about what they call Junker Dash their uh, wonderful blend of, of music and just down home fun and so we get some music to offer you all as a salve and we also get a nice conversation with this uh, great couple and who've been a big part of Treeport and friends of ours for quite a long time so enjoy the episode and take care out there we're thinking about you everybody in our family seems to be doing well the tree fort story fort family we're staying in contact and this is one of the ways we like to do it and so yeah be be well and safe and enjoy Hey everybody, my name is Christian Wynn, the director of StoryFort, and you have found StoryFort Presents Voices of TreeFort Music Fest, and this is like a thing that we do now from home. It's a little bit weird, um, it's a little bit, I don't know, weird, difficult weird. On, the, on, the, on the tech level, right Larry? It's a little atypical, and yeah, Christian, I of course am Larry Rosen, I'm here too, coming you from distant San Francisco, California, I apologize Idahoans for being from California, but That's yeah. Okay. yeah. It's all weird, so we're kind of working by the seat of our pants and trying to figure it all out, and lucky enough today to have some guests. Yes, Hillfolk Noir, who we at Treefort and Storyfort are like good friends with, and don't get to see them like face-to-face so much right <laughs> now. And we're not now. But we've... Why not? Well, we're seeing them face to face on Zoom. If you, if, if you're <laughs> sort of like face to yes, distant face. That's all right. Face to face, um, I guess, is a thing right now, but a different kind of face to face. But bottom line, we're going to get some performance from them. We're going to talk about their, you know, getting together as a band, as a couple, Allie and Travis, um, as a family, actually, really. And also just, I don't know, dig into some of the history of, of what, you know, Junker Dash and all that kind of stuff means and some of the festival things they take part in and are now sort of on hold and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, so, and don't worry, uh, coronavirus survivors, we're going to touch on some of the challenges because I think just, just reading about you guys and the business you run and your slate of shows that you had coming up for the summer and the fact that you have, did Christian tell me you have three kids under your roof right now? That's right. <laughs> So you're facing some unique challenges all your own. So we're going to get into all that stuff, but we want them to play some music first. Is that correct? Absolutely. We want two songs to start out this whole bit. Right. So two songs. Go for it. Let's go. Give me your heart. I know this. 
two-person audience i know three we have somebody downstairs too and, and a dog but they're applauding as well so <laughs> very nice you got one more for us right now I heard my face. 
Let's talk about music. Let's do it. Let's. <laughs> My first question is that that is the saw that you're playing, right, That Allie? is a saw. It's the truth. How, how did you learn how to play? How did? I have two questions. First, have you ever seen the video of Frank Zappa playing the bicycle on the Steve Allen show? No, I have not seen that video. Sounds like I've got some, no, some I have research not. to do. Tell us about it. You might find that interesting. <laughs> Second, did you learn the saw after you realized it was going to be an integral part of the music you'd be playing? Or were you interested in, in that those sort of, and you're playing the washboard and the saw, those sort of not, well, traditional, non-traditional instruments before. before? Well, I I don't know how deliberate it was for me to learn to play the saw part of what I played in the band. At the time, I was playing the drums. and uh, And then, and we just had... Or we're kind of going through transition having our third child so i couldn't really play out the band and so it was almost more like a protest uh move of being on maternity leave and i purchased my saw and decided to learn how to play it and it arrived the first day i went back to work and it just sort of ended up working out in a non-linear fashion <laughs> i'm curious okay so when you order a saw to like you know, use a bow on and make that wonderful sound. Like, is it a special kind of saw? Is, was, is, was it a working yeah. saw at one point? Or was it is it a saw now manufactured for musical purposes? Well, it's really just, I mean, so most saws that aren't rusty will play, but the longer they are, the lower um, and warmer the tones are. So I, you know, did a little research and found this guy uh, musicalsaw.com. I'm pretty sure his name is Peter. And so I called him, I couldn't quite get his website to work. And so I called him and, uh, he was cooking breakfast. I'm pretty sure when I called him and said, I'd like to buy one of your saws, but I can't get your website to work. And he's like, okay, just hang on a minute. And I could hear this clattering in the kitchen and he took down my name and sent me a baritone saw and, uh, a, it came with a bow and rosin and Oh, it was a starter kit. Yeah, it was a starter kit. It came with a pamphlet on how to do it. And uh, so I read the pamphlet and spent a few months trying to figure it out. Anyway, so that's... <laughs> yeah, but it was... I mean, I really hadn't spent a lot of time on YouTube before, so it maybe was a little while till I found YouTube videos that were, like, instructional. It was mostly, you know, just performance videos. And uh, anyway, yeah, there's... One of the best ones though, there's this woman, she calls herself the Saw Lady from New York City. And she, in the past, has hosted the Saw Festival. And so they did a Guinness Book of World Records, most Saw players playing in unison video. So there's about 90 people playing same song on the musical Saw in, it, um, in a church in New York. And it's just beautiful because there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, older people playing and almost everyone's holding it differently. Like there's no uniform way to make saws make sound. And so it's kind of enchanting. It, it put me at ease to be like, oh, there's like 92 ways to do this because there's 92 right. people in that room. Yeah, so then I kind of quit worrying about being, a, you know, not having good technique. So in a, in a more broad sense, I'm always interested when 21st century musicians uh, come to find that they love old music, in your case, old time music. Can you both explain sort of the path you traveled? I'm sure at one point you were interested in whatever unorthodox music or, you know, punk rock, new wave, whatever it was for whatever time period you grew up. But how did you get from that to here? You take that one, Travis. Punk rock to uh, now. Yeah, for me, it was uh, once I sort of thrust myself into the world of music, I started, you know, looking deeper into the songwriting and, and who, who was writing songs and what songs I, I identified with. And uh, through that research, it uh, just kind of took me back into time. And I, when, since I was a kid, I liked Bob Dylan. And he seemed like, okay, this is a guy who is writing songs. And I, I, I sort of got into the, the world of just the songwriting world, you know, that rather than just being a a musician I kind of wanted to be a songwriter and uh, he was just one of the first guys that I, I sort of dove into and as I researched his catalog you know I realized some of the songs he was doing in his early years were even older and I just kept going further backwards 
and eventually ended up with like the anthology of American folk music, you know, and went to the library and got anything that was from the 1920s and 30s. I loved the uh, energy and the feel of the music from that time, and it just seems so honest and real and important. That, that really, once I cracked open that can, that it, it all just jumped out at me, and I just loved it so much. And uh, then it really affected my songwriting a lot too, I think, just because that's all I listened to for many years. But yeah, before that, you know, I just, I know, and still I listen to anything, anything that, that pulls my ear in uh, is, is good. And, uh, but the, the old time music was uh, just from research and, uh, and I loved it. I still love it. Did you have any sort of an aha moment when you realized that this was the kind of music that was really going to speak to you? Um, yeah, I, I, I knew right away that it spoke to me. I mean, I could hear the words. But it was also, it's a long, it was a long haul getting to where I could play something that sort of resembled that kind of music. Um, they, I could, I, I got to where I was sort of writing songs that seemed, that they were from that genre, you know, and from that era, but I still didn't have like uh, authentic chops to play the music. And I, I still don't really, but it's, uh, it's just something that I like, you know, I, I like the songs, I like the the purity of them or so so it seems like they're pure maybe they're not you know maybe it's just how i i view it you know the nostalgia of it but uh um, definitely fond of it and do you think if, if you took the songs you write and and arrange them differently they could sound like modern rock and roll or folk music yeah i think so or country yeah i mean like a lot of bands did that to a lot of the old blues songs you know like in the 60s there were lots of bands that were doing just that, you know, making their, oh, well, I hear an example would be like every time when I was, you know, even still, but when I was first learning how to play music, I'd go to learn a song, like a rock and roll song. And instead of learning the song, I'd end up writing a new song, you know, cause I didn't really have the skills to learn this song that I wanted to learn. So I'd end up, oh, just here's my song. And, uh, but that's a lot of the, you know, cool blues songs from the sixties and seventies were, you know, people rehashing what they, what they were hearing from from these old times old time music and uh, I, mean, I don't know it's not right or wrong or anything it's just what it is mm-hmm. no i mean that, that absolutely it's interpreting you know sort of and being influenced by the past in a certain way that's um i think indicative of a lot of writers out there too just as far as <clears throat> the literary world you know we're looking at that stuff you know all the time and we're not exactly learning how to like rewrite, you know, sort of like co-opt a song or co-opt a story, I should say, or a poem or a novel, but we're definitely always figuring out how to like reinvent that. And I, I can totally relate to what you just said there is like, yeah, they start reading something I admire and want to sort of do something like that. And then it's all of a sudden like, okay, I, I'm doing my own thing, maybe on a simpler level at first. And then that's pretty much how it works. There. Yeah. Yeah. And Allie, how did you come to this type of music? I just, uh, I've always been taken with, you know, the the lyrics of a song. So I think kind of less is more as far as most songs go. And, um, you know, I started um, playing guitar and writing songs in my late teens. And um, they were terrible. I mean, really bad. What, what <laughs> I didn't kind of know song? any better. And so I just how kept would you doing characterize it. them? <laughs> Well, I called them the jerk boy songs. There was like, there's a whole, Definitely lyrical there's a whole period content. of time there where it was just, yeah, that's, I mean, they were just shallow. Uh, who, um, <laughs> who were you listening to back then? Oh my gosh. I don't know. The Indigo Girls and, uh, you know, like, who else? I, I listened to, uh, you know, I, well, I had this job where um, I had to drive out into the desert every day and uh, check on these screech owls. And so the only, this is during the same period of time where I was writing the Jerk Boy songs, the only um, radio station that would come in was the country music station. This was probably 1996. So I was listening to the Indigo Girls and the country music station, a la 1996, and learning to play two chord songs. Oh yeah, man, that's a direct route to old time music right there. That's good Mm -hmm. stuff. (laughs) Anyway, they were just so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing people's memories are very short and that it was before social media. There's no, there's no documentation. Anyway, so at some point so I started to actually discover. You guys don't play any of, your, any of your old songs. Yeah. What's that? Have you ever gone back and like reimagined some of those old songs for any of those old songs? One of them for. <laughs> not, not too many. I had one stuck in my head the other day that was actually outside of the jerk boy genre. Um, 
and it was about my neighbor growing mm-hmm. up. I kind of could remember the melody, but I'd have to rewrite it. Like I, I mean, it's literally lost. It was before computers. That's a lot. You weren't born. You were, uh, yeah. So computers yeah. were born before you were. But I'm pretty a, sure. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's just funny. But at some point, I did just discover a love of like songs that are singable, and and um, that took me. It's like, yeah, the 1990s country music was really not where it was at. That just came in on the radio. And so then I think probably the the songs that were the inspiration for those writers and, you know, their grandparents. At some point, I just sort of working backwards in that, in that library. And that was about the same time that Travis and I started, you know, sort of working together on stuff. And I just remember watching him play guitar and just thinking like, oh my gosh, I have got to stop trying to play guitar. <laughs> Um. <laughs> that's, I, I think that's a compliment for you. That's how I felt when I watched myself play guitar too. I would agree. I had the unfortunate experience of uh, going through this chest of cassette tapes that I had made over the like years ago during this quarantine. It's like, oh, I'll go through all those old cassettes and put them on the computer. And oh man, listening to some of the music that I made back then is really depressing to hear man like but also inspiring like at least i've gotten better but holy moly like really embarrassing every time a kid would walk through the house and hear it i was like oh no yes i was that bad when i was 20 years old i want you to respect me so so travis like when you listen to those what what sort of flaws do you hear is it just in like the technique or is it in like the 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 lyrical quality or Um, or whatever are they are they jerky girl songs (laughs) yeah there's even jerky girl songs (laughs) the uh i think a lot of the song ideas are pretty good like the song structures are good i was just like so terrible at playing that it's like oh it's unbearably horrible man but uh, every once in a while, there's like a little gem that I would come across. One thing that I did stumble upon that's really cool is a, a recording I made of Rosalie Sorrell's in like 2001, I think it was. Mm. And it's like a full concert. You know, if you don't know who Rosalie Sorrell's was, she was a, a famous folk singer from Idaho that passed away five, six, seven years ago. Um, but uh, I the place I worked at where Chris and I probably met, I got hired to do sound for this dinner concert. Her songs are like, it's a one hour tape and there's four songs. So it's like 15 minutes song, 15 minutes of her talking a song, 15 minutes and then a song. And uh, man, I stumbled upon this tape that I had recorded off of the board while I was doing sound. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, it's just a magical piece of like, folk music and storytelling oh it's so yeah. so good and i don't know how i'm going to share it with the world i got to find a way it's really yeah. special though but she was the real deal i mean she was like a here yeah. a friend of pete Seeger, and yeah she knew and, the you know, the real like, people you know so mm-hmm. she was i don't know how old she was at the time of that recording but it was just amazing what a lifetime of working on your craft will do i mean you could just yeah. hear it she was so comfortable and at ease with her stories and her songs it was it's beautiful yeah it's 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 magnificent well, well hey, you know what maybe Speaking that, of songs yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i'm gonna cut in Rosen, and we can get some more for a song? <laughs> we tried to out segue each other we time for a it's time songs. for let's go with uh, yeah one song one, one jerk boy uh, song I don't one know. jerk girl song uh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there you go um, all right i'm gonna just play it different than i ever have so all right me too Good luck excellent this one's called uh, the folk singer it's like an autobiography <laughs> Thank you. 
rock and roll band. Well, I moved from Cleveland, came out west, said I was a singer, goddamn the best. Looking like a punk, living in a van, well, that's a folk singer in a rock and roll. Before you play your next song, can I ask one question? Yeah. Is that sounded a little different than most of what I've heard the videos or the yeah the songs I was listening to earlier today? A little less dark. Hey, well, yeah. I guess that wasn't a question. <laughs> There's a <laughs> why? How was it? Was it less dark? Well, I don't know if it was or not. Yeah, good question. The uh, we have a lot of songs and uh, a lot of the songs that work with the. Uh, the trio that we, we have with uh, Mike playing the bass, we tend to play a lot of uh, kind of heavy blues and uh, or blues e sounding music. More bluesy, and, uh, yeah. Kind of fast, like, aggressive music. It seems to work really well with uh, what we do live with uh, you know the instrumentation that we use. And I've been doing a, a a bit of a residency until the quarantine at this little brewery where I play every Wednesday. I just go down with the acoustic guitar and just play songs. And uh, I don't bring the suitcase and uh, don't bring the steel guitar or the banjo or anything and just play sort of the more, I don't know, internal songs that that I you know, plunk around on at the house. And uh, that's maybe more of one of those songs. But uh, we also, the band does a version of that one that's kind of more rocking and a little more through the roof. But we just kind of, we just like playing that one. It feels good. The protagonist of that song is like, it's he's an outsider in this, this wonderful way too. Like, yeah, it's like lamenting the fact that he's a Yeah, well, singer. coming to the realization like, oh you my know, God, he, I'm a folk singer. Figuring out his <laughs> this, is, this is it. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but he doesn't want to be Phil Oaks. He doesn't want to be the voice of his generation. No, no that's too much pressure. <laughs> he thought he would be though. Yeah, yeah. too much pressure. But... All right, what uh, what are you gonna play oh, now? Oh, you want another one? Okay. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Keep them well, coming. Here's something that yeah. we've been kind of dorking around with. It's just a little instrumental bluesy song that um, we've been playing for the last couple of weeks. It doesn't have a name, but uh, but it's fun. We'll call it the Quarantine Blues. Yes.
<laughs> yeah. Once again, thank you. There's that one. <laughs> wow, that was fantastic. I like the contrast was... between the two songs you just played back to back, too. Thank you. We've had a, a really cool time. We have a, a little recording set up here at the house, and uh, we've been making making some some cool stuff. You know, it's uh, one day you feel so like, all right, I'm free. I'm just making art. And other days, you know, it's just overwhelming the, the way the world is. And it's the art is, you know, influenced by that directly. And uh, I don't know, that's one of those songs that just the heaviness of the day seemed to really come through in the music. I'm, I'm curious as to what sort of art's going to come out of this other than a bunch of short stories about people stuck inside. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seems like uh, yeah. it should spur yeah. a lot of really well, fantastic stuff, you know? Yeah, I was even wondering, I had mentioned this to Christian earlier, you know, so much of the sound, so much of the songs that you are inspired by come from the depression. I think I read an interview with you too, where you had mentioned that. I was wondering at that moment, how this point in time will impact kids who will make music and will make art later. Yeah, I think, you know, people just need art so much when times are hard. You know, they just look to it and are relieved by it that, there's got to be something great that comes from it, you know? It's like, this has to be. Mm -hmm. I think, too, there's... Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting. Sorry, I was just going to say, I, <laughs> you, I think there's, first. like, a going to be a renewal of, like, people needing to learn how to do stuff, just in general, like, make things, mend things, <laughs> you know, entertain yeah, themselves. Whether it's out of need or just out of boredom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. To, to fill right. our time differently will be interesting. I mean, we can't just right. have rapidly expanding happy hours. That's not going to be good for anybody. <laughs> it sure not, is fun, yeah, but not in the long run, <laughs> <laughs> for in the short term. Yeah. It's, um, but I do think Ali, I, I mean, I, I could, that does segue, I guess, into uh, a couple questions. I'd be curious to have you answer. I mean, you, you're a high school teacher. You're somebody who's like engaging with, you know, kids who are dealing with this and um, that idea of like the artistic and scientific and you run this community garden in, in, in Boise that I'm actually looking out upon right now because it's right across the street from where I live. But it's, um, I don't know, you do a lot of stuff in the community with young folks and Larry's asking about what kind of art will come out of it. What do you, th what's your sense with like, you know, high school kids, you know, sort of how are they going to come out of this artistically, scientifically, whatever? Yeah. I don't know. It's early, but what do well, you think? You know, a lot of the students are, um, I don't know, I think young people are just, I just think we need to just put them in charge, honestly. They are so no nonsense, <laughs> they are not mired in their ways. Um, and so I get really, I mean, for years I teach environmental science and that's just a, I mean, that is a depressing subject to teach. It'd be like, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's hard in some ways to just really teach these stories of, um, ecosystems that are struggling and pollution, et cetera, um, and human wastefulness. And so the, the the young people that I work with they really like get it and they want to make change and this is just such a huge opportunity to learn um, from <clears throat> I try I tried to tell them a few years ago that they had this amazing <laughs> opportunity because they were debt free and you know that was an interesting conversation um, there's a lot of things that we've just accepted I think as as you know, middle-aged folks about the way that our world works. And, and so I think the young people are just going to continue to craft things. And I, I mean, it, I think that they're amazingly resilient. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that's exciting. And also they, uh, I just hope they ask enough questions of their elders too, because there's a lot of folly. That's, that's what I yeah. see. Yeah. yeah. I was just wondering how I was going to segue from that into, so how'd you guys meet? <laughs> Very good question. 
I do want to hear about the beginnings of the band and the working relationship. So let's just go there. I won't yeah. even segue. And I remember this is a quick anecdote. I mean, I remember seeing Allie play at like a house party, like back when I first moved here in the late nineties. And I remember playing basketball. I mean, I more recently played basketball, though I've had to retire for my own particular health reasons and back issues. Um, but Travis and, Travis and I would, you know, you know, have a beer or two here and there, and also play basketball together with a group of folks. Um, but so I knew you all, both of you, before you were in a marriage. I, I mean, at least I knew of you, and <laughs> I am curious too, like how you kind of melded, and if it was around music or just strictly attraction and love and all that um, kind of stuff. All of it, yeah. We just both, all of, of it, probably. really. We, we <laughs> yeah. met at a bar in um, the afternoon. In the afternoon. <laughs> I had just gotten off work, so I was, of course, going to have a beer and play ping pong. Allie was doing her laundry, so she was, of course, at the bar, at the bar. having a beer. And uh, we got to talking, <laughs> and uh, turned out that we were from the same town, and a small town at that. And uh, I'm just enough older that somehow we never met when we were living in the same small town, but we met in Boise, in the big city. And uh, Sandpoint, Sandpoint, Idaho, yeah. That's right, way up and, there. And uh, right? yeah, we just started hanging out and formed a really neat friendship and uh, fell in love and got married and had three children and started a band and uh, just have encouraged each other to follow our hearts and it's been <laughs> a, a magical ride. Yeah, well said. Thank you. <laughs> At what point did the professional relationship begin? When did you start playing music together? We started playing music right away. Um, but we weren't, we didn't like call it a thing or a band or really perform together for until we, I think until we had our second child. I mean, so we did everything backwards. Like we, we played around the house and we, you know, wrote songs together and collaborated, but we didn't really like name it or anything for probably eight years or something. And then at some point that all changed. I, I don't I don't know if I really remember making that decision. Yeah, I don't know either. It's just funny because you know like so so much of what I remember being young is like every friend I made was like, okay, and then we're gonna start a band and this is what it's gonna be called and like, I'm going to play the flute, you know, but, <laughs> but we, we did, we just sort of waited it out, I think. Yeah. Is your house really musical? Yeah. Yeah. It's very musical. Uh, you can't hang out in our house without hearing somebody singing or humming or whistling. It's really frustrating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, you know, there's, there's a kid that's doing something in the kitchen, whistling a song. There's another kid singing a song in the back room. There's a kid playing a ukulele outside. It's, uh, it's very musical, and it's not, it's not because we've made them take piano lessons or anything. They just, they just like music, and they like to make art. And uh, it's a, there's a lot of art that happens over here, and I'm, I'm thankful for it. I'm going to guess, though, that the music that they listen to might not match the music you listen to. No, but we have a pretty good uh, vinyl collection of vinyl records. So uh, we end up listening to a lot of the same stuff. You know, uh, we've got this great album by Lizzo, and we all listen to it, and we all love it, you know. And we have a good old album of Queen, and everybody likes that Queen album. And everybody even likes the cool Black Lips album that I have. Especially, especially me, but oh, nice. and uh, your Dead Moon album, that's and a... Dead Moon, everybody loves Dead Moon, you know. It's uh, so there's some crossover. What are the ages of your children? Uh, 10, 15, and 19. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> and during the quarantine, I know, well, Larry, I have, I'm I'm child. I have no children, so I have no no real context. Wait, Chris, when this quarantine's Larry, over, we'll loan you one yep. if you want. With uh, me, because his son came. <laughs> yeah, you can borrow him. <laughs> you just leave him in the garden out there. I was like, you know, I was like, come on. <laughs> I was going to say, on the one hand, you're almost at the home stretch. On the other hand, with one of them, you're about to, end, you know, middle school is the worst part. But once you get through that, it's kind of. <laughs> 
Although I'm finding yeah. that the uh, graduated college doesn't know what he's going to do thing is also quite a challenge. And also not wanting to quarantine, you said. Yeah, it's it's been uh, interesting. But we're lucky. Our kids all are, they're like each other's best friends. So, yeah, they they really, it's great. But it they are all, you know, at least once a day, one of them is very emotional. Right? Well, one of us. You know, it's because, one of them or of the one current. of us. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Is this because mostly of the current state of the world, or has this been like a constant for years? They're kids. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hard to say. Uh, it's, we're we're an emotional bunch in general, but yeah, the current state of affairs has amplified it a little bit. But I think we're all doing pretty good for the most part. We all have our. I think about once a week, one of us has like a, you know, we plummet and hit the bottom and. I'm not saying it's always one of the kids because sometimes it's me, but uh, there's, there's like one day a week where one of us is like going, oh man, what's happening? This is the worst, worst ever. But uh, most most of the time we're we're doing all right. <laughs> we're kind of built for this, you know. We we love to garden. We love to grow our own food, and um, it's hard on Allie and Grace mostly because they they're so extroverted. You know, they just really are, like to be around people and talk to people. And where me, I'm like, I spend all day alone most every day, and that's pretty great. You know, I make myself go to the gym and play some basketball a couple times a week so I can be around people. But other than that, I'm like kind of a homebody. Yeah. So I'm, I'm more like Allie. I'm having a, a hard time with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I got to be out there. A little rough. But yeah, I do miss my basketball watching instead of like. <laughs> I do too, man. Adjacent life, you know. So, oh yeah, that was difficult. <laughs> yeah, I'd, if they put any sports on TV right now, I think I would watch it. I don't care if there's fans. I don't care what it is. A friend of mine. I don't know. I'll, whatever this. <laughs> a friend of mine shared this great video of this guy, and he must be a sports commentator, you know, a British sports commentator, and he's commentating his two dogs. Like one has like the toy, and the other one's like waiting. And he just does this like two minute commentation of it. It is so funny, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I do miss sports too, man. I, I feel for you. <laughs> That's clever. I saw that. Uh, well. How do you manage? We... Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. In, in a what normal world. thinking there, Larry? Yeah, go for it. In a normal world, how do you uh, manage a tour schedule? I, I mean, I noticed... Just looking at the list of places you were supposed to play in the upcoming months, it seemed like they're mostly just one and true night deals, but are you able to go on any longer tours? Yeah, we've done a lot of longer tours. I mean, usually it's a couple weeks is about as much long as we want to want to do anything. Uh, but we've gotten into, like this summer, the plan was just to do like little, you know, three, three nights here, three nights there. Um, last summer we did a couple of longer runs and, they're, they're a little bit hard on us, and for seven or eight years before that, we spent every summer touring really hard, like going to the United Kingdom and playing every night for several weeks and stuff, and uh, going across the, the country and back, and uh, we just kind of found a rhythm last year that maybe we didn't want to play as many long runs, like maybe we didn't, didn't need to do that as much, and so the plan this year was to just... Uh, do like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday kind of a thing and try to, instead of leaving the Pacific Northwest in the summertime, which is the best time of year to be in the Pacific Northwest, just try to stay kind of in the Pacific Northwest and uh, enjoy the mountains and the lakes and the rivers and uh, do more camping and enjoying the area that we live in. And uh, so, yeah, we've just been in the house for the last three and a half weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know everyone talks about this but what's the status of those upcoming dates like how far ahead have you assumed they won't happen well we've had lots of things canceled um you know into into june and i, I really don't know uh, we're hoping we do this music festival in september over labor day weekend and uh we host it we yeah we're the hosts for it so we're hoping that we can do that this year but you know that's mm -hmm. that's up in the air even um we just, it's really hard to say yeah the hermit festival. Yeah. yeah hermit fest it's the hermit festival yeah uh -huh. 
Yeah. Hermit fest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I it, it very well could happen. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we we're we're hopeful. We've been thinking about. Um, we hope so. Some pretty deliberate moves with it too, just knowing that um, people aren't going to have a lot of money to buy tickets. I mean, that's the the other part of this is like, even if things open, right. is anyone going to be able to hire musicians? I mean, who knows? But. We we do think people will love to come to Hermit Fest, so we're yeah. hoping we can we can actually um, make it very affordable and family friendly, which it's always been family friendly, and just really uh, top notch lineup and not a lot of fluff, like just really focus on the music and right. taking care of the artists, but but keep the ticket prices really reasonable, yeah. We'll see if that works out. We don't want to sell any right. tickets, so we I know. Mean, right. And like that puts, you know, I was just going to say like in that same month, of course, like Tree Fort and Story Fort and all the forts are supposed to be happening towards the end of the month. And that was in, we're in a different position, you know, just because the tickets were sold beforehand, a lot of them. Um, and who knows what will happen, you know, moving forward, but we're hopeful as well. So and, and I if you guys go off. I was going to ask if, if you saw, you know, what Treefort had to deal with and sort of filed that away going, okay, we may have to deal with something similar. Let's take notes. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a music festival. It's a much different kind of beast. You know, it's a much smaller scale. It's, it's more intimate. Um, the ticket prices are, are, are much smaller. It's just a, a much smaller thing. But, uh, yeah, definitely like looking ahead going, okay, let's uh, keep this as with the least amount of risk as possible and not book a lot of outside bands, try to keep it kind of kind of local and regional and uh, uh, not promise but what we can't give, you know. So, you know, God, it's just a waiting game. I, I, I really have no idea what's going to happen for the summer. I mean, a lot of the gigs that we play aren't, you know, real big places. They're... We've had a couple big music festivals we're going to play at, you know, that are, they're trying to push their festivals into September too. Uh, we've had, you know, there's lots of like bar gigs that we've, we are, you know, fallen through. Uh, and will those places even survive this? I, I don't even know. You know, it's like so many of these places are, yeah, with their doors closed, how are they going to reopen? I yeah. don't know what that looks like, you know, it's a, uh, how much work will there be? There's going to be a lot of musicians that need work, but it's hard to say. Plant a big garden is what we've been doing. You know, just get as many yeah. tomatoes and peppers in the dirt as we can, and we at least we'll be able to eat. My mom, though, she sent us Those some are called leaves. from Amazon. Leaves. So. Yeah, some pretty good plants, though. We're okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. People overreacted a bit there, and I think we're going to be fine with the team. I can't figure it out. Like, the why is it toilet paper that everybody needed? Like toilet paper and flour. I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> so that said, you know, I'd love a song or two to like kind of like close us out, or like one song, or do you have one more question before a song? No, actually, you? I was going to go turn on a light so I'm not sitting in the dark here in a moment, but that was my segue. <laughs> Let's. Uh... <laughs> okay, so maybe. We'd be happy a to song do another that, you know, song. What kind of like, song should we do? I don't know. I kind of think we should do either Emo Dude or Billy Got Popped. Or both. Okay. Ooh, Billy Got Popped is a really great song. Let's do that one. I might, I'm going to have to tune Let's, for a yeah. second, though. Perfect. Perfect That's okay. This is kind of a, I, would, I would call this... Fun hanging out with you guys. It's a bit of a punk, a punk edge to the song. Oh, likewise. Yeah, this is great. This is wonderful. And I guess on Zoom we'll figure out how this works, but damn, the audio sounds good. Travis got all sorts of stuff rolling over here. Well, we'll see if any of it worked, though. I don't know. I'm over here and it's over there. I'm sure it will, yes. The Billy got popped, and somebody else might get popped in the apocalypse right now. So it's gonna be fun. So.
parked on the side of the road Baby got popped by an hour ago A big goddamn on the side of the road kind of a fluke tune. I mean, just sort of wrote it just on a whim and then never practiced it or anything and ended up recording it in this, when we were at this recording session and hearing it, you know, weeks later and going, oh man, that's a cool song. And uh, then that kind of turned into something yeah, that Yeah, that's kind of a rave up. I mean, a lot of your story or your songs have, I mean, big stories to them too. And, you know, that's, I guess, the nature of a lot of the influences you draw from folk and bluegrass and all that kind of stuff they generally kind of have a narrative of their their work i guess punk rock does a bit too but yeah i mean that particular song even though it's kind of the rep you know, repeated sort of lyric of billy got popped we can imagine what imagine what happened to billy it's a front porch song so great and who was billy but who wrote that song was it you travis yeah or... i wrote that one Allie. And Billy was, I don't just. Was Billy based on a, based on a real human? No, not based on a real human, but, you know, I think with a lot of the songs, I, I don't really think about them very much when I write them. And uh, years later, sometimes you can, like, go, oh, you know, I bet that I bet that I wrote that because I was, you know, thinking about a certain part of my life or whatever. But that one just sort of squirted out. And uh, a, lot of the, a lot of my favorite ones that I've written have been like that, where they just. <laughs> You know, I don't write about myself very well, or at least not directly about yeah. myself. I, I tend to make up a story about somebody else, and somehow it runs yeah. a slight parallel to me. But yeah, that one, there it is. Yeah. Well, Billy has a life of his own, I, in my mind. It's little Bruce Springsteen, little Bruce Springsteen like. I feel like you know. I can so dig that. Written that song, but so uh, probably sung sung it differently, a little bit. Probably wouldn't have had it, you know, sort of jamming on you know and i of... and i feel like we're contractually obligated to ask if you also write stories stories yeah Do like, you write stories like, narrative like, fiction. i've written a few yeah <laughs> i've got a, a couple that i'm not very good at it but i do i kind of think of myself as an idea man i come up with ideas and uh, i have a couple pretty great ideas for stories and uh, there, there's one that i've been kind of nursing along for the last short while that i don't know hopefully will turn into something and but but we'll see but yeah i, I like words there's several good local <laughs> workshops you could sign up for that i've heard of yeah, yeah i should take I advantage of that if i wasn't such a homebody cabin has a bunch for sure <laughs> you've been wanting to write yeah you gotta leave your house well, well. now now you, you don't do not <laughs> you do not have to leave the house now you can like attend a zoom meeting workshop anytime you want i feel like so it's hard yeah. to uh not oh. be insecure so larry what do you have for us like oh oh what's that about uh, writing that? yeah all right we we're getting confused on the zoom conversation i was going to ask larry if he had anything to like close us out but travis is true like it's hard to not be insecure about art I mean, that might be a, a good question to ask right now. Is like, how did you, or when did you sort of both maybe like get over that hump of like, ah, I'm scared to be in front of people or is it still a thing? Like I'm exposing myself in this weird, honest, honest way. Oh, you know, it's, I do enjoy, I, um, I've noticed that I've been missing, yeah, performing more than I thought. Cause same. Um, I, hmm. at some point years ago, I, I did notice that I stopped being nervous, like just afraid. Um, then I went through a phase of anytime I knew there were other musicians in the audience, it was just like torture for me. And I would just hope someone would start talking to them so that they would hmm. stop listening and paying attention to me or looking at what I'm doing anyway, just self-conscious. I don't know, it, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I've gotten more relaxed with it. And, and Ali, how is looking out at an audience different from looking out at an audience of teenagers? That's true. Yeah, that's, that's a good, great question. Um, 
Seems the same to me, man. You know, but working with <laughs> tougher audience, working with teenagers, the they they will always talk back to you. You know, and that, so there's this banter hmm. that I'm perfectly comfortable with that banter, and and that's I think something that Travis and I have developed over time with part of our how we present ourselves as a band but um but it's it's different when it's a group of adults who are just listening you know not yeah not sure hey how's everybody i mean the teenagers almost always like respond mm-hmm. and if they don't then that's funny too because it's like this i mean there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of ways that I can go but it's always funny Working with teenagers is really funny. Um, so, but it is true that it's a performance in its own way of teaching that I don't think I really fully understood until, you know, trying to do the whole thing via email. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe not working out. We'll see. I don't know. Hopefully. All new, all new classroom management challenges. Yeah. yeah, where you're just like, please interrupt uh, me. Any, anybody. Just Give me something here. So. Yeah, Bueller. I'm looking at my notes, and I think we're pretty. Uh, we've uh, covered everything I wanted to talk about. You know, we could go on and talk about coronavirus challenges, five people in one house, several musical instruments. But you know, that could go on forever. That could go on forever. Yes, yeah. yeah, as, as could the music. And really, was super grateful for you both, like giving our maiden tour on this, you know, so yeah. like Zoom operation and Absolutely. remote operation. And um, thanks for being we gentle. We love what you do. And, you know, I mean, we, you know, we're talking about sort of the voices of Tree Fort Music Fest. And you guys have been, I think, involved from the very first year. We won't get into all the history, but I just, is that true? Very first year of yep. Tree Fort? Yep. All the way through? Everyone. Yeah. That's yeah. Whatever they call it, so yeah. You have You're yeah. every tree forter. You know. <laughs> your OTF. Yeah, yeah. So you've got it. But it's also, yeah, you've been up like stalwarts of the um I guess the Boise music scene for so long in a great way. And have toured Europe and like the Northwest, like you said, and has like made a big influence or big impact on the sort of like how we think about Boise music or how I think about it. Um, so I, I really appreciate y'all being on here for sure. And sorry, the bass player couldn't be here tonight, but <laughs> he doesn't live with you guys. And how's he doing, by the way? So you're only two members of Hill Folk Noir. We could teach one of the kids to play bass. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Mike is doing pretty good. He's uh, he's at home and his Mike wait. Yeah, his wife's so. working, so he can't play his bass as much as he wants, you know. And uh, but he's he's well stocked in beer, and uh, he's doing all right. We'll be back. Yeah. Okay. We miss okay. him. Good. Yeah. Yes. Good to hear, cause. Because, you know, I hear John Steinbeck has a speakeasy and you're the house band. So. I heard that too. <laughs> According to John Doe, that's like my favorite quote. Yeah, we latched onto yes. that one real fast. Oh, like, oh so man, this is a good so one. So flattering, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. And coming from John uh, Doe, even. That's great. Where would the speakeasy be, you suppose? On Cannery Row? <laughs> yeah. Gonna be, gonna, Salinas. In, in, the, in the barn somewhere. Um, who knows? Yeah. You probably drive right past but it all we, the time. I don't know, Larry. What do we... <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, it's true. I hear the, the tunes like sort of just pulsing from that barn down the way. We hear the high lonesome coming out of John, John Steinbeck's <laughs> speakeasy. Yeah. And John Doe as well. Yeah, and then hopefully that guy's holding up okay. Um, anyway, I don't know. What else do we have, Larry? That's all I got. Travis, Why don't you wrap us Allie. up? Well, do you guys want to say, Valley Travis? Just thank you, yeah. man. Hope everybody stay, stays healthy. Word. Yeah, keep yeah. smiling, man. We'll get through it. We shall. We will. Are you working on your jump shot in the meantime? You know it. Out in the driveway. Travis, Valley. Okay. <laughs> There you go. All right. We're so, going to plant you. I will, I guess. We'll s- Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Wait, Thank say you, Larry. Again, Allie. Thank you, Allie. All right. We'll see you.
We'll see you guys Bye, soon. Guys. Okay, so there you have it. Hill Folk Noir, myself, Christian Wynn, and co-host Larry Rosen. We had a great time talking, listening to some music, um, staying connected in these uh, tumultuous, to say the least, times. So we really hope you're all well and staying informed and active and healthy and kind and loving. And we want to thank Eavesdrop Studios, which we are not actually in for this episode because we're all sheltering in place and making these things from our homes. Um, but they are awesome partners. And you can find their podcast network at ease-drop.com. Um, and then we want to thank everybody at TreeFord and all the followers out there and people who are you know, creating community, uh, we we understand, and uh, gosh, we're doing our best. But I also want to thank the band Up Is The Down Is The, who provided and provides our awesome theme music. And gosh, be well, and I'll see you at the fest. But tomorrow never came.